who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But somebody who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one person be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two people can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We're in a sermon series called Five Easy Ways to Wreck Your Life. And if I just summarize what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he's saying a real easy way to wreck your life is to isolate yourself. An easy way to wreck your life is to isolate yourself. And there's all kinds of ways to isolate yourself. You can push people away and say, no, I I am not going to let you get close to me. In fact, I am going to retreat from you while I give you uh, a, a stiff arm. There's another way you can work well into the night and just, uh, just make no time for anybody else except for your work. There's even another way. You can wear sweater vests. It's a pretty effective way to isolate yourself from somebody. <laughs> I, I heard a comedian say, this, if you're wearing a sweater vest this morning, this is not my opinion. Okay, This is a joke I heard, and I just thought it was great, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, comedian said, vests are all about protecting people. For example, a life vest protect you from drowning. Bulletproof vests protect you from bullets. And sweater vests protect you from pretty girls. (laughs) Like I said, if you're wearing a sweater vest here this morning, I hope you come back next week. I'm really sorry. Leah made me put that into the sermon. (laughs) There are all kinds of ways to isolate yourself. In a little while, we're going to talk about some of those different ways. Um, But first... Uh, let's not lose sight of who we're getting this information from. We're getting this information from Solomon, King Solomon. He has advisors and commanders and wives and concubines, and maybe you're sitting here thinking, how could this guy be lonely? He's got thousands of people that he interacts with. He interacts with people all day long. People are coming before him and saying, what do you think about this king? What should we do about this king? And he is just continually surrounded with people. Let me tell you something that we all know, but it's easy to lose sight of. True connectedness is not the same as lots of contacts. True connectedness is not the same as lots of contacts. Maybe that's especially important for us to hear. Facebook, anyone? I got 900 friends, but I don't know any of them. True connectedness is not the same as lots of contacts. Solomon had thousands of people surrounding him, but he used that as an excuse to not get close to any of them. You see what he did there? He had thousands of people surrounding him, but he used that as an excuse to not get close to any of them. Don't assume that just because you interact with lots of people that you're connected with lots of people. Don't isolate yourselves. Don't isolate yourselves. Now, I, I know, I know, some of you are going, is this really that big of a deal? Because I'm an introvert and... I don't really love being around people. 
I had a friend once who, uh, he, he was that way. He just kind of had a, an angry face, a natural angry face. You know anybody who has one like that? Don't point. Okay? He just kind of had a, a natural angry face. And one day, uh, me and my buddy, um, we were at a coffee shop together, and this girl that we knew from high school uh, came up, and she was talking to us, and she, she finally said, Steve, what's wrong? His name's Steve, by the way. Steve, if you're listening, I'm sorry, buddy. Anyway, she said, Steve, what's wrong? He said, nothing's wrong. She said, well, you look angry. He said, nothing's wrong. And she said, well, you know, Steve, it takes more energy to have a frown than it does a smile. And it, I swear to you, this is one of the most wonderful things I've ever heard in my entire life. He is a hero to me for what he said. He looked at her and he said, yeah? Well, how much energy did it take you to come across the room and say that to me? I was amazed. One of the best things I've ever heard someone say to another human. And so some people are, are, are just introverts, and they just assume, isolate themselves, and you're going, I, I don't think this is that big of a deal. Is it really all that bad to isolate yourself? Now, you extroverts, you're with me. You're all going, oh, my gosh. Could you imagine not being around somebody else? You're texting each other right now, like setting up a prayer meeting to make sure that you never have to be lonely, right? I get it. You extroverts, you're with me. But introverts, you're not convinced. I know. I want to show you what's at stake here because it's more than your social life, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we'll pick it up in verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. A person standing alone can be what? Attacked and defeated. Attacked by who? Go ahead and answer that question for me. Attacked by who? Satan? You think that's the answer? Raise your hand if you think Satan is the answer to that question. Okay. The extroverts all raised their hands. <laughs> And the introverts are like, can we go? <laughs> All right, let's take a look. Genesis chapter 4. Uh, we see the story of two brothers. They're offering sacrifices to God. Cain offers a pretty good one, and his brother Abel offers a better one. Cain gets jealous that God likes his brother's offering better, and he ends up angry and dejected, and he's feeling that way. And here's what God has to say to Cain. He says, why are you so angry? Why do you look dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right, but if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin's crouching at the door, and it's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and master it. So sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is to control you and subdue you. Its desire to control you. Okay, so sin is crouching at the door. Let's look at one more on the other, on the other side of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, Satan. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Those two passages sound similar to you? Sound pretty similar to me. Do the right thing. Be alert because the devil wants to control you or devour you. First passage is in Genesis chapter 4, right there at the very beginning of the Bible. The other one is 1 Peter chapter 5. You've got to go almost to the end of your Bible to find that one, okay? It's written over 2,000 years later, but the message is the same. Throughout the entire Bible, there is a constant, 
Your enemy, the devil, wants to devour you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to control you. He wants to attack you and defeat you. If we isolate ourselves from God and from others, we play right into his hand. There's a lot more at stake here than our social lives. So don't isolate yourselves. Don't isolate yourselves because isolation is where Satan wants you. Isolation is where Satan wants you. Why? Because when you are isolated, the only voice you hear is his, and his voice is so subtle and deceptive. He says things like, you're not good at your job. You're never going to be a leader. Nobody respects you. Nobody likes you. Everybody's staring at you right now. You're not a good parent. You're not a good husband. You're not a good wife. You're not good enough to be at church. You're too old. You're too young. You're not smart enough. You're awkward. You're never going to meet somebody. You're never going to overcome this sin. You will never. You cannot. You are not. And when we isolate ourselves, that's the only voice we hear. Do you feel how dangerous that is? When that's the only voice we hear, we're far more likely to give in to temptation and discouragement. See, God's voice comes through people. God's voice comes through his word, and God's voice comes through all of you, through Holy Spirit, indwelt Christians. So here's a principle when it comes to isolating ourselves. When we isolate ourselves... We limit our exposure to grace and truth. When we isolate ourselves, we limit our exposure to grace and truth. Don't isolate yourself. Satan wants you to hear you're not good enough, that you're never going to be good enough, and God wants you to know that Satan's a liar. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two... They can stand back to back and conquer. Three, that's even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I'm not saying you gotta be friends with everybody. I'm not saying you gotta be friends with everybody. In fact, there's some pretty convincing research that says that's not even possible. So there's this widely accepted social theory called Dunbar's number, and it says that the human brain can only manage 150 stable social relationships. 150 stable social relationships. If you try to manage more than that, you're going to spend your whole life saying, hey, are we going to dinner with the wangers tonight or, or playing cards with the webs? And your wife will answer from the kitchen, no, we're going to the basketball game with the Browns. And that's what your whole life will be like. You just never know what's around the next corner. It just turns into chaos. That's what Dunbar's number says. You can only handle 150 stable social relationships. More than that, and it's chaos. And by the way, that's stable social relationships. Uh, if you want to know how many deep, soul-level, uh, intimate friendships you can have, by the, if you're under 21, I'm talking about BFFs, okay? okay? If you want to know how many BFFs you can have, you have a maximum of five. That's all your life can handle. Okay? You can be friends with lots of people, up to 150. If you want to have deep soul level intimate fellowship where you share things and you hold them accountable you got five you have five of them you can't be friends with everybody i'm not telling you to be friends with everybody i'm just saying don't isolate yourself you can't be friends with everybody but make sure you have somebody 
when you have that somebody, don't push them away. Don't get so wrapped up in work or, or whatever it, that thing is that you isolate them. Don't push that person away. Here's what Solomon says. He says, this is the case of a man who's all alone, without a child or a brother, yet he works himself hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. Make sure you got somebody. You can't be friends with everybody, but make sure you have somebody. And when you have that somebody, when you realize who that somebody is, who those people are, don't push them away. Don't push them away before they can hurt you. Don't worry about whether or not they're going to be perfect. So let me just ease that burden. Let me just stop that thought for you right now. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to fail you sometimes. They're going to mess up. They're going to forget your birthday or your anniversary. You're going to make plans, and sometimes they're going to have to bail. Part of, part of having meaningful friendships is understanding that they're not going to be perfect. They can't be your Jesus because they need Jesus too. So here's another principle of friendship for you. Show them the grace that you need. Show them the grace that you need. As I was writing this past week, I kept reading verse 12. Uh, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Right? And, it, and it got me thinking about Forrest Gump. Anybody ever seen Forrest Gump? It's pretty good. I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> uh, and it got me specifically thinking about that scene uh, where Forrest and Bubba are in Vietnam and it's the rainy season. And here's what Bubba says. I'm not going to read it like Bubba. Okay. You're just going to have to deal with that and be okay with me reading it like Tony. Here's what Bubba says. He says, I'm going to lean up against you. You just lean right back against me. This way, we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. You know why we're a good partnership for us? Because we watch out for one another, like brothers and stuff. That's about the purest example of friendship that you're ever going to find. And it was really hard for me to not read that like Bubba. When you're in a rainy season in your life, it sure is nice to have somebody to lean up against, isn't it? Sure is nice to have somebody to lean up against. You know what the best way to make sure you have somebody to lean up against is? Be the kind of friend who can be leaned on. Be the kind of friend who can be leaned on. So that's the danger of isolating yourself. I want to spend some time talking about how we isolate ourselves. Just a little bit of time. Uh, and this is important because isolation is a result with a thousand different causes. So how do we isolate ourselves? Solomon says this is the case of the man who's all alone. He, he doesn't have a child or a brother. Uh, by the way, um, it, we might have a tendency to, to feel sorry for this, this guy who doesn't have a child or a brother. Maybe he's unable to have kids. That's not what Solomon's saying. The reason that he doesn't have a child or, or, a, or a friend, the word here is a friend like a brother, the reason he doesn't have either of those things is because he hadn't made time for those things. He has allowed himself to be consumed with work. I don't have time for kids. I don't have time for deep, meaningful friendships. He works as hard as he can to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all meaningless and depressing. 
Solomon confesses that he was working so hard to gain all the wealth that he could and ultimately it was meaningless. It's not hard to understand why Solomon tried it. He didn't know any better. He didn't know any better. Here's what somebody who does know better has to say about being driven by wealth and success to the neglect of others. He says, what benefit is it if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus has perspective. He has the perspective of heaven. Jesus has the perspective of real joy, and he knows that devoting yourself to wealth and the neglect of other people is a pretty poor substitute. Now, certainly being consumed by our work is a way to isolate ourselves, but it's not the only way. The fact is anything can isolate us. For some of us, it's work. Yeah, I'll be home as soon as I finish up this last report, and you get home at 10, you find a tired wife, sleeping kids, and a cold plate of dinner. And I know that sometimes things happen, but if that's the normal pattern of your life, I want to challenge you to reevaluate. Because what good is it if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? For some of us, it's uh, sports. I'm not, I'm not hitting at anybody specifically. I can just tell you from my life experience, I was in my 20s before I realized that lots of people go to church every week. I just didn't know that. Uh, one weekend, we'd be in Texas, and it was Florida or Tennessee, and, and if we really wanted something weird, we'd, we'd stay home, and there'd be a local tournament that our family would play in that weekend. Uh, my sisters were really gifted athletes, and so we spent a lot of time on the road, and uh, you know, I know my family just wanted the best for them. And my sisters had scholarships to play softball, and that's awesome. It's just, like I said, I was in my 20s before I learned that lots of people go to church every week. So what good is it if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? This one, just be prepared. I'm about to step on your toes, okay? Just scoot them back underneath your seat real quick, okay? Uh, we can isolate ourselves with our political opinions. Ouch. It's real easy to get on Facebook and say something that we wouldn't say in a face-to-face -face conversation because there's this level of separation between us and our words. And I'm not just talking about uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm saying that um, political opinions often divide us and isolate us from people that Jesus loves and that we're to love too. Okay? And I'm also not saying that you shouldn't have political opinions. You absolutely should participate in government, vote, right? have your opinions, know what you believe and why you believe it, be able to articulate it. But what I am saying is that our political opinions should not call our Christian character into question. What good is it if we gain the whole world and forfeit our soul? Let's do one more. Uh, this one's especially dangerous. Uh, it's especially deceitful because uh, we can be in a room full of people and still be isolated with this last one. It's our cell phones. Anybody in here have a cell phone? <laughs> we can be in a room full of people and yet we can be completely isolated because of our cell phones. I went to visit my family last weekend. We were out to dinner, uh, and we went to a nice Mexican restaurant. I'm not going to get into the details because I could go on and on about it. It was good. 
I got fish tacos, they're awesome, okay? But that's a different story. We'll tell you, I'll, ask me after church, okay? Uh, and so we, it was real nice that evening. We sat outside, it was really great. It was, uh, it was beautiful, it was nice and sunny, there was a cool breeze, and I was just enjoying it. I was with my family, we were having good conversation, laughing, and it was fun. But I looked over at the table that was just over there, and there was three teenage children, a dad and a mom. And all three of the kids were on their phone, and dad was watching a baseball game. And it made me sad. And I continued to watch them as we ate our meal. But the thing that hurt me the most was watching mom. Because she desperately wanted to have that interaction with her family. So, so she's asking questions, trying to get answers. And she's offering guacamole. And, and everybody just look up and nod and go back to their phones. And I could just see how much she wanted to be with her family. And they weren't even in the same place. We can isolate ourselves when it comes to our technology. I want to caution you against that. I know those are just a few ways to isolate yourself. There are thousands. There are thousands of ways to be isolated. But here's the idea. If you have to ignore godly people to keep doing what you're doing, maybe take another look. Maybe take another look. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to make you feel terrible. But what I don't want, I don't want you to say, man, I gained the whole world, but I can't seem to find my soul. I don't want you to wake up one day and realize that you're isolated. Because sometimes it sneaks up on us. Satan really is deceptive. And he's awful. I don't want you to sneak up on that. But I also know that some of us isolate ourselves on purpose. We make a conscious decision to do so. And uh, I was researching this past week, and you know what the most common reason for isolation is? Any ideas? It's feelings of inadequacy. Feelings of inadequacy. That's the most common reason that people isolate themselves. So I'm going to give you a, a silly example that will drive the point home for you, okay? Uh, let's say a young couple is out with some friends. This is a hypothetical. Again, we'll call this couple... Tony and Leah, okay? Just picking names out of thin air. This is not a real story, okay? Um, let's say this couple is out with some friends and they're, they're sitting at a table eating. All right, nobody's got their phones out. They're feeling pretty awesome. But then uh, one of the other couples at the table says, hey, have you, guys, have you guys ever done that keto diet thing, that ketogenic diet? I'm like, what the heck is that? And then all the other families at the table are like, yeah, it's awesome. It's really great. Uh, we, we've kind of got over, you know, that initial like culture shock and, and we've really started to get things down and we've noticed that our kids are starting to, to behave better in school. Their grades are improving. They're even better athletes, right? And you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, my kid ate popcorn shrimp and gummy bears for dinner. Like, this ketogenic diet thing is not, I don't think I fit in with these people. And they're going, yeah, our kids are, are really good. All of their grades are improving. You're going, well, that's awesome, because my kid just took a math test and put poop as every answer. <laughs> and you're like, I just don't think I belong with these ketogenic diet people. And so the next time they call, what do you do? You just let it ring. Sorry, I didn't hear it. Would love to have gone out with you guys, but just didn't hear my phone. And it gets easier and easier to ignore and ignore and isolate yourself. That's a silly example. But if it's true 
when we think about how we interact with others and how we stack up to others. It's a hundred times more true when we think about ourselves. We say, I'm not good enough. I lose my temper, I cuss sometimes, I lie. Do you think anybody at church knows that I still chew? But all these people are judging me right now. Do these people like me or do they just tolerate me? But everybody's judging me because of my political opinions. I'm just too broken, too much of a sinner for this place. I better just stay away. If you resonate with any of that, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. This isn't the church of the have-it-all-togethers. Nobody here is okay. We all struggle with something. That's why we're here. So if we didn't struggle, if we didn't have pain, if we didn't have shortcomings, then we'd all just stay home. But everybody in this room is a person that deeply needs Jesus. We're not here because we got it all figured out. We're here because we don't. We're here because we're sinners. When Jesus looks at us, sinners who struggle with our self-worth, who struggle with feelings of inadequacy, when Jesus looks at sinners who lie sometimes and lose their tempers and cuss and can't seem to shake this habit or that sin, Jesus looks at us and you know what he says? He says, I know this about you and I love you anyway. Don't isolate yourself from that. Don't isolate yourself from that. Run to that. All this stuff in your life that makes you feel inadequate, all the stuff that you want to hide, all the stuff that you feel like isolating yourself because of, bring that to Jesus and let him heal you because he will heal you. We're going to get ready and close today. Uh, as we do, I, wanna, I want you to hear this song. Um, it was... I heard it for the first time this past week, and it, uh, it pretty well brought me to, to my knees, and uh, it reminded me of the hope that I have in God and the love that God has for me. So I just, I just want you to hear this song, and then we're going to get ready and close.